rxmuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mood enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to another episode of Quantum Physiques, where we give the extreme sports junkie, the mental extreme sports junkie, of course, the uh, the zen of adrenaline. We help them to surf the zeitgeist, uh, cusping the edge of humanity, the edge of sanity, and hopefully create a better reality for them and everyone around them, of course. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, joining you here every week, of course. A couple of things here tonight. Proof of heaven. A neuroscientist, actually a doctor, and medical doctor dies for seven days, comes back and writes about the very thing that we talk about every week on this show, which is basically that uh, space-time matrix that he transcended, realized time didn't exist, and he writes a whole book about it. And of course, if you're a QP, quantum physics listener on a regular basis, you know exactly what he's talking about because I allude to it every time. It is the matrix, and we do specialize here in helping all of us to realize that whether we want to get better results in the gym or in life, no matter what it is, we have to understand that it all comes back from the inside out, not the outside in. And that's what the show is dedicated to, of course. Uh, you know, a couple of things here I wanted to get back to uh, from previous shows. Number one, I know I mentioned The Master. Another movie I saw that I want to get into a little bit too is called, I think it's called Looper with, um, uh, what's his name? Bruce Willis. Phenomenal movie. Again, all these amazing movies, all of them. This is really the cutting edge, guys. We are on the zeitgeist here. Another movie coming out next week, uh, Cloud Atlas. Again, weaving the ocean of humanity. The fact that, again, giving up the drop, becoming the ocean. The fact that you are the drop, but also within that drop is contained another ocean. And each one of those oceans are veritable bubbling universes of you within each one. It's like a matrix within a matrix within a matrix. Odd infinitum, basically beyond even what you can even comprehend. And so this opens up so much as far as possibility here about you know time not existing. The Master, again, amazing movie about the guru pupil or teacher-student relationships, the bullshit of all gurus, basically. The essence of it being, again, of course, that you know, when the student is ready, the master appears, which means, of course, that that's a Zen saying, referring to the fact that we create our masters, that our level of consciousness is, again, projecting out and attracting to us those people that reflect us. So if we want a guy who's just going to help us to juice it up to the max, to get six-pack abs, to dose up with the clenbuterol, we're going to find those people and we're going to do that and live that life. And that's great. That may be work for some people. If we're in the gym working out and, and we're into like something different, we're looking for, to train transcend something to break free of some kind of mold or whatever, we're probably going to send out that vibration and pull towards us people like that. I just had a conversation with a friend of mine that says, someone just said, he goes, you know, Brian, it's kind of funny how, you know, once you meet a couple of people and their, their thinking or, or their advice clicks with you and before you know it, you're on a different road and you're pulling towards you different people, different circumstances, and all of a sudden, your, your very reality is changing. And you don't really realize it unless you stop and look back at those pivotal moments and realize, wow, you know, within each moment is the opportunity for me to make the quote-unquote the right choice, right? And, and to be a veritable David versus Goliath. I mean, this universe, this world, this matrix, the, the laws of physics, they are a Goliath. They will fucking beat you down. Gravity is real, 
You know, there's a saying with some uh, guy in India. He's like, oh, you know, this elephant charging towards me isn't real, is he? And he's like, well, it's not real. That's true. It's all an illusion. But you better get the fuck out of the way because he will hurt you, actually. And so, you know, there is a matrix here, a reality that we are not strong enough to transcend and literally walk on water or, you know, or fly like Superman or like Neo did in the Matrix. But there is a lot we can do. There's a lot of plasticity within the system that we can play with. And that's really what I'm hoping to uh, interject with you guys here. Um, Back to the the master that movie again with uh, I think it was Joaquin Phoenix and uh, somebody else some really good actors in there. Um, there was a really novel idea. Well, not novel to QP listeners again, but in the in the master or teacher relationship, student whatever you want to call it. The idea was to take an idea, take a goal, a vision of yourself in the future. You know, I take an idea right now. Actually, like say, imagine something. Like imagine me losing ten pounds and getting in better shape. And she said. Take that now and plant it in the future. Drop it off in the future and leave it there. Now move towards that goal. And I'm not really describing what you said exactly, maybe as accurate as, as, as the movie um, recanted, recounted it. But the point was that like, you can visualize, of course, and plant something in a future and then you can actually, you know, by the power of intention, I guess you would say, move towards it. It was a pretty powerful moment in the movie that really struck with me. Looper, again, another one here about time not existing, about the fact that we kind of have these loops of, you know, different yous, different universes of yous, of course. And um, what does it all boil down to in that movie? I don't want to give it away in case somebody wants to go see it because it is out right now. But it comes down to, uh, you know, something we've talked about on the show over and over again, that ultimately those who are able to literally kill themselves their self, in a sense, are the ones that transcend and, and can really unleash a wave in the matrix that can transcend and change everything and, and set forth a cascade of events that are nothing short of miraculous. So it's pretty powerful stuff, actually. A couple of things I saw before we get to um, the issue tonight, which actually is in Newsweek. This week's Newsweek, I believe, October 15th. Yeah. Heaven is real. This is, again, one of the biggest mainstream uh, media uh, you know, magazines, of course, next to Time. You have Newsweek. And they're actually, you know, again, releasing this doctor's story here because they think it's pretty powerful and worth talking about. Uh, and, of course, it's always kind of watered down and diluted and even put into a religious context oftentimes, uh, which I think for people like our audience here that tend to be a little bit more cerebral and have let go of the um, – primitive or biblical, you know, literalist interpretations, uh, you know, we need something a little more cutting edge. And that's why I think quantum physics really gives that. And now speaking of quantum physics, there is a a really cool section in this month's New Scientist, uh, a special section, What is Reality? And again, it's something that we've talked about over and over again on this show. I really urge you guys to check out New Scientist, the What is Reality um, section. I'm going to get into a little bit of that right now, believe it or not. But, uh, you know, a couple of things I've been struggling with, and some other people too, I think, have have alluded to it uh, with some private emails from my listeners is, uh, you know, dealing with like stupid people and people that just don't get it, that just seem like they're out to, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe if they're you know, more powerful, you might call them Goliaths. Uh, maybe it's a system itself, you know, like motor vehicles or a hospital or the, the court system or even like, you know, some corporate corporations. I mean, a lot of us are probably stuck in jobs with these Goliath institutions that just seem like they are set against us, like they're trying to keep us down. The man, right? The man's trying to keep us down. And I kind of wonder, you know, how, how do we 
break free in a sense and, and start to create a reality, a, a reality that we can manifest. And I, I've really come to understand that like in the Bible, the story of David and Goliath, I mean, here you have a guy, a Goliath, who was like, you know, enormously big physical stature. Again, these are like the, the Western motifs of the superhero, right? Like the Hulk, big muscular, obviously full of, of, of egotistical confidence. And the little David, which again kind of harkens back to like the, the Eastern philosophy of like you know, the Zen master, the skinny little guy, like the, the Kung Fu expert, the guy who spent more time or as much time perfecting his martial art as he has perfecting his, his Zen presence as well. I mean, that's kind of like the contrast there in that biblical story. It's kind of funny, but you would think surely going into that battle, uh, and of course you can you know, critique it and say it's just luck, it's just bullshit. I mean, again, it's all a story. It's all bullshit, but let's just pretend for a second because this has happened over and over again. How does you know, wimpy little David defeat a Goliath? And I really think it comes down to who is more grounded, who is more sure of their story. I really think that in a sense, the more grounded, the more um, planted we are in our version of reality, um, the more chances we have of manifesting. I guess the more strong, the stronger our belief system is, the better off we're going to be at actually creating that. It really seems like a belief system, you know, that is really the connection between the the consciousness, right, the zeitgeist of consciousness in a sense, and the individual drop, your mind. And that, of course, that synapse, if you want to call it, is what, of course, leads to the mind connecting to the body, which is where we actually start creating in this world. So I really think that the belief system is important. And it's not just the egotistical belief system because, of course, again, these Goliaths, they're full of ego. They're full of fear-based surety. I got big arms. I got big guns. I got big lawyers, whatever you want to call it. You know, I mean, it's all about that egotistical sense of surety. But I think when I'm talking about being grounded, I'm thinking it's, it's, it's transcending just the simple ego sense of, of cocky confidence and arrogance. It's more being planted in that um, divine consciousness, if you want to call it. I mean, call it what you want, you know, cosmic consciousness. Um, it's letting go of the drop in a sense, right? Surrendering yourself and actually achieving a much greater victory in the sense um, because you come back into this drop with a sense of self that, that transcends all that. And I think that really is the key. And this is again why, once again, meditation, taking time to silence the mind, to silence the ego. I, I often call it killing the self, but you know, of course, it really is about silencing the mind so that you can have that divinity, that source energy radiate through your being and in a sense reinvigorate make you literally born again. The, this is what it means to be born again in essence because you have that light, that you know, connection with divinity or source that really helps to create that reality. And um, that's something that we need to start practicing. But you know, back to uh, stupid people, I was just thinking about that actually and I'm just kind of wondering, you know, we live in a mechanistic world. So take, for example, a rock. A rock has certain properties. A rock is limited. Is a rock stupid? No, of course not. You know, but if we, if we expect a rock to be more than it is, then we obviously realize we're the stupid one. But you know, looking at another person, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, if you think about it, you know, a robot, which most everybody is again. And again, this is what it comes back to is this solipsistic 
worldview. And, you know, in this New Scientist article, they actually talk about solipsism. Now, Jeff and I have had many conversations on this show, and I've always said, I got to do a show on solipsism. It was a dead philosophy, but I'm telling you, you know, my own personal experiences with um, Satori have made me realize that the only reality is the manifestation of my own mind projecting out and creating this universe, you know, and the same thing for you. And so it comes down to me realizing that um, if I think a robot, another person, is stupid, that's the same thing as thinking a rock is stupid. I mean, and again, a rock is a rock and a person is a person. And so it comes down to I'm the stupid one for thinking that. And I realized that you know this is a very painful thing personally for me to acknowledge that once again, over and over again, everything out there is reflecting back to me. And you know, our egos, I'm telling you, can't take it. It's really fucking painful to have to sit there and open up your heart and realize, oh my God, this is showing me who I am. This person, this toxic person or whatever it is, is actually showing me who, because it's reflecting back to me the toxicity and the emotional toxicity inside myself that I've been trying to bury, trying to run away from. And so, of course, when something's painful in the environment, in a physical sense, we, we run away from it, of course. Um, and in an emotional sense, the same thing. But you know, running away from it does not necessarily make us um, heal it or, or, or deal with it in a sense. We don't really get better. And so, again, it comes down to being able to sit there and realize and accept responsibility for your life. And um, I guess that's the first path to healing and to creating a better future. So we'll take a quick break and come back with the uh, doctor's testimonial from heaven. This is Quantum Physiques. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today and not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death, which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabitrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabitrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray. Gabitrol is available now at rxstress.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at HighProteinBread.com. P28 is also now available at Bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now. HighProteinBread.com. P28 Bread. RX Muscle approved. 
Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding's strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. Quest Bars from Quest Nutrition is Dave Palumbo's favorite protein bar. It's the only bar that's not simply a candy bar in disguise. There's no sugar or sugar alcohols, no soy, and zero trans fat. Quest Bars contain only the highest grade protein from whey and milk protein isolates. Quest Bars are also the lowest carb bar available, only 4 to 5 grams, and they all come from nuts. Quest Bars are also gluten-free. Quest Bars were specifically made for people who are serious about their physiques and who want the highest quality ingredients. Best of all, they taste great. Learn more about Quest Bars by visiting questproteinbar.com and try them out for yourself. Check out questproteinbar.com now. rxmuscle.com Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth. On bodybuilding, diet and exercise, up-to-the-minute news and more. Visit the rxmuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q&As with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows, including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours, and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, RX Muscle Place. Visit rxmuscle.com. Grab your surfboards. This is Quantum Physiques. Here we go. Let's hop on the wave and surf the zeitgeist once again. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, welcoming you back. You know, funny thing about, about stupidity, um, how do I say this actually? Um, there's genius in stupidity. I was just thinking about that. Number one is the, again, I find, and this is again why I love Western or Eastern thought, because truth, it turns out, is not linear the way Western people think. It's like, you know, linear meaning like there's a line, right? It's like good on one side and bad or truth on one side and false on the other side. There really is more truth is paradoxical. And in a sense, if you had to represent paradoxical mathematically, I guess it would be circular, right? That you have this idea of what truth is and you come back around to it, but like from the, from the ass end, from the back end, actually, you know? And so like, look at stupidity, you know? Number one is, of course, as I was saying earlier, that, um, you know, I have to realize that I'm the one who's stupid. And of course, what happens to me is, again, my ego gets so angry. And so, I mean, this is humiliating to have to admit this on, on the show, but it's like, I get so angry at myself and I get so guilt-ridden that all I do is I solidify the neuronal pathways of the ego or, or of what has kept me in those same vicious circles, so what I'm trying to say is, is that you know, by stopping and looking at the situation, like for example, somebody or something has really infuriated me, the truth is I'm angry at myself, which makes me even more angry because then I'm like, you, you know, again, I have got f- 40 plus years of just beating myself, you know, flagellation on my back with my mental whip in a sense. But I began to realize, of course, is that that stupidity is where there's genius because that's the beginning of awareness. But also get this. Even scientifically, you could say there's genius in stupidity because, again, we are all pro- a process of evolution. And, you know, oftentimes our genes have tricked us into doing stupid things because they were actually good, right? A lot of things that we think of as bad, for example, like, you know, having, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever you want. I mean, having sex. How many of us have not? had sex and regretted it, right? I mean, my God, half the population owes regrettable sex 
to the fact that they're here on the planet. So if you look at it in a sense, the very creative process of life, right? The way God manifests, consciousness manifests into this planet full of 7 billion people is by the stupidity of, of our sex drive, which often gets us into trouble and we curse it and we hate it. And so many people are stuck in divorce court and on fucking court TV and, and in living in India or wherever in shackles. I mean, it, it just, it's unbelievably miserable. And yet there's something beautiful in that stupidity because it is the proliferation of the beauty and the creativity of the universe, the evolution of consciousness itself is part and parcel of our individual stupidity and so you have to laugh and actually for me I begin to like forgive myself and start the process of actually loving myself and healing myself and of course that flows out into my relationships with other people and I'm able to be more patient more compassionate my relationships improve I may have to change things. I may have to quit my job. I may have to leave a certain toxic relationship that you know no longer serves me, but I do it from a level of awareness and presence that is so much more loving and accepting and not one of anger and adrenaline and, you know, again, churning up the free radical damage in my body. Again, we can go into the physiology of it all. We all age faster. We manifest disease faster. We get fat faster. We lose muscle faster. If you guys want to bring it back down to the gym, it's all connected, man. You know, Gary Null and Dr. Morjit Ali have all both said these are two preeminent health experts that I refer to a lot. It's the mental aspect of health that is by and far the most important. It doesn't matter how much you do in the gym or how well you eat. If your your emotional body, your mental body is not healthy, you're screwed. So again, we should celebrate our stupidity actually and then not be so down on it, you know. Um, so back to this stuff here. You know, one more thing I want to talk about too. Again, if you're into understanding, I guess, presence, Satori, um, you know, what this means, you have to see Terrence Malick films. I mean, again, I saw The Thin Red Line one more time on TV this weekend. And uh, this guy definitely has had these experiences, I believe, because he is able to interject or inject this visual, audio-visual awareness of what I've experienced into his movies. The way he will be in the middle of a war scene and focus on a butterfly or something, you know, and the way he captures time, how he, how much each section of the camera, uh, I guess, sticks on something. There's something there that if you're aware of it and you can slow down your mind, you'll, you'll pick up on it and you'll start to get that idea of what I'm talking about. And again, if you find them boring, you know, again, even with this uh, idea of, um, you know, proof of heaven, he talks about these concepts that a lot of people, like, you know, the Jersey Shore crowd, the Kim Kardashians or whatever, are going to say is so boring. But boring is just a reflection of yourself, of your ego, actually, because when you're in a timeless dimension, when you transcend the matrix, there's no such thing as being bored. I mean, it's pure bliss. As Osho has called it, it's pure ecstasy. And there's no room for boredom there. So if you find these concepts boring, it's because your level of awareness and presence is at a, a different place and you should tune out the show and go put on the boob tube and watch Obama and uh, Romney debate. <laughs> two, two dry idiots, unbelievable. But some clips here from this segment of New Scientist, What is Reality? Uh, again, referring to solipsism again, which I thought was really powerful. But also, you know, I, I can sum it up really and I put this on, my, on the Facebook uh, page for quantum physics. You know, quantum physics in three words, matter equals math equals mind. The material world, that the very material world that we look at can actually be translated and represented with pinpoint accuracy by math. In fact, there's some stuff here I actually want to quote. It, it, 
what is this here now? Why is the universe only made of some of the available mathematics? Says one guy, there's a lot of math out there. Today, only a tiny sliver of it has a realization in the physical world. Pull any math book off the shelf and most of the equations in it don't correspond to any physical object or physical process, he says. So while it's true that seemingly arcane and unphysical mathematics does sometimes turn out to correspond to the real world, imaginary numbers, for example, were once considered totally, totally deserving of their name, but now they're used to describe the behavior of elementary particles. Non-Euclidean geometry eventually showed up as gravity. Even so, these phenomena represent a tiny slice of all the mathematics there is. However, hold on, says one expert. I believe that physical existence and mathematical existence are the exact same, so that any structure that exists mathematically is also real. So what about the mathematics so what about the mathematics our universe doesn't use? They posit that other mathematical structures correspond to other universes. Again, this is why. There's so much math out there. We can't even understand it all, and it doesn't really necessarily correspond to our universe, but that's because math is the language of God, and it reflects the bubbling universe theory. So what else here I thought was kind of interesting about this? Um, All this sounds bizarre, but the hypothesis that physical reality is fundamentally mathematical has passed every single test. If physics hits a roadblock, at which point it turns out that it's impossible to proceed, we might find that nature can't be captured mathematically, this expert goes on to say. But it's really remarkable that that hasn't happened yet. In fact, Galileo said that the book of nature was written in the language of math, and he said that 400 years ago. Meaning, of course, that um, matter, once again, as I said, matter equals math equals mind. So we see here that the material universe is represented beautifully, poetically, and with pinpoint scientific accuracy with math. And, of course, where does math come from? Math is a derivation of our mind. So matter equals math equals mind. It's pretty simple. This is the reality. And again, mind, of course, referring back to, as Deepak Chopra says, turning back within myself, I create again and again. So my external world is nothing more than just a creation of my internal world. Another way of summing up quantum physics in three words, nothing is fundamental. When you get down to it, right, they go to, you know, what, atoms, and then uh, some atomic, I guess, particles like electrons and protons. And then you get into bosons and muons. And then you get into, I guess, string theory. And then you get into brains, membranes, or whatever. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. There's, there's nothing there, ultimately. It's just you know creations of our mind, of our perception. So ultimately, it looks like the words of huh, Lao Tzu and Jesus were right. Nothing is fundamental. Nothing is is fundamental. And as Lao Tzu would probably say, you know, when you grasp nothing, you have, or when you have nothing, you have everything, right? Uh, and of course, I've always said too that I think that very, your very existence is everything. That when you can tune in to the fact that you are, I am, Christ said, I am who am. I'm not even sure what that even means, but to some degree, to me, it means in my story that the very fact that I am a conscious node or a conscious drop in this ocean, I think in and of itself is all the proof I need of something so magical and so wonderful. And all I have to do is, I I think, 
tune in to that reality on a deeper and ever deeper level and I can begin to create more and more a reality that transcends what I could never have possibly imagined when I was a young kid. That's what I'm kind of hoping is going to happen anyway. And I think in a sense, you know, Jeff and I both would agree that we've seen Actually, a lot of people, I think, would agree, some of my listeners, too, that they've seen this in their own personal lives, too, with their own goals and things changing. So let's get into the article about heaven, which is, again, by this doctor who, again, Dr. Ebbett Alexander was a neurosurgeon for over 25 years. His father was a neurosurgeon, and I thought it was pretty interesting. I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but I do find some of it interesting. Again, he considers himself a faithful Christian, but more so in name than actual belief. He goes on to say, I don't begrudge those who wanted to believe that Jesus was more than simply a good man who had suffered at the hands of the world. I sympathize deeply with those who wanted to believe that there was something more. There was a God somewhere out there who loved us unconditionally. In fact, I envy such people, the security of those beliefs. But as a scientist, I simply knew better than to believe that myself. In the fall of 2008, however, after seven days in a coma, during which the human part of my brain, the neocortex, was inactivated, I experienced something so profound that it gave me a scientific reason to believe in consciousness after death. So it sounds like this doctor had um, meningitis which kind of interesting, actually, the f- recent outbreaks of meningitis. Do you guys hear about that? It's pretty shocking that uh, this you know, FDA drug company, whatever, which seemed to have some kind of weird ties with uh, the guy who owns it. His wife owned a garbage disposal company. And right away when I hear garbage disposal, I'm thinking like mafia. I'm sure they're probably the last names were. Actually, I don't want to say anything, but I just thought it was interesting. And it's caused quite a controversy because a lot of people got infected. But anyway, this doctor himself had a really rare form of bacterial meningitis, Attacked his brain. Turns out it turned off his brain and he went into a a deep coma for seven days. They gave him like no chance of coming out. But um, somehow he did. And, uh, you know, he came back and he wasn't quite sure what to make of what happened. But he became convinced that death is not the end of consciousness, but rather a chapter in a vast and incalculably positive journey. Now, that's exactly what I've tried to say over and over again, that, you know, again, this is, that, this is the avatar. This really, and again, this is what I strive to with my meditations, to really believe and to create, to, to, to have each cell in my body believe it, that this is not real. You know, as Christ said, I am in this world, not of it. I mean, that's a mantra I repeat to myself over and over again. It's like, almost like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, right? Click your heels three times and say the mantra, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. I mean, it's the same pattern, the same story over and over again. You know, it wasn't like somewhere at the end of the rainbow, which is like typically what, you know, you hear the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It was somewhere over the rainbow. It was transcending the main. I mean, this is the perennial story that comes out over and over and over again. So anyway, um, he, I guess this doctor again, began to realize that he had experienced something that he believes is another dimension, another world, basically. Um, you know, according to science, his brain was definitely dead. There was nothing going on there. And yet, you know, he believes that he had seen a place, a place of unimaginable beauty, um, big, puffy, pink, white clouds that were dramatically, you know, thrown against a, a backdrop of a dark, deep, blue-black sky. Uh, there were beings there as well, beings that were, you know, way up high, higher than like Mount Everest, he says, like way higher than, than where he was, that were like wafting by. And um, this is where I think he's kind of, I think he kind of gets it because he was not perceiving this 
with sensory data. You know, in other words, I've always said when I had my experiences, you begin to understand that, you know, the mind is limited by the senses. And that's why when you experience Satori, you've all experienced it, I'm sure, in some way, shape or form. You just don't maybe realize it or recognize it. Um, You've cracked the matrix already. And the idea, again, for the show is to realize, wow, that moment in my life, I did experience that. And then again, you go over there again with some tools, right? And you crack open that crack that you've had in the matrix and you open it more and more almost like uh jim carrey in um the truman show right there's like you know, this big shell over the sky you just like kind of tear it down you start realizing holy shit you know um it's a cool revel- realization because it does allow you to break free and to start living a life that i think gives you a sense of of happiness or joy i mean so much more i mean god there's so many people around me i don't know how you guys are but i look around i talk to people people tend to open up to me there's so much goddamn suffering in this world you know and you know i just saw um oprah was on talking to uh colbert i'm a big fan of colbert and they both said something which is what brad pitt said i said this on the show before you know happiness question mark happiness is overrated they they've all said the same thing you know, this idea, this cultural idiom of trying to be happy is such bullshit. You know, it's like, go for the joy. Go for the realization that transcends happiness, that transcends the positively positive of life. You know, because when you're so positively positive, you, again, the polarity of this world is you're going to be positively negative as well or negatively negative, whatever you want to call it. And so you want to transcend those waves, you know, you want to dive deep. You want to hold your breath, dive deep into the ocean of consciousness. And then when you think you're running out of air and you're about to gasp for breath, open up and gasp and you're going to realize there's something there keeping you alive and it's not going to be your breath. It's going to be divinity, source energy, whatever you want to call it, you know? And that's what I'm talking about. And I think Colbert and Oprah, you know, people like that, they're artists, they, they kind of get it. And so they both said the same thing on that interview there, that happiness is overrated. It's the joy uh, of something deeper that goes beyond being up or down that, that they really strive for. But this doctor talks about how he was perceiving these experiences in no sense, right? And of course you have, again, without senses, that's where the word innocence comes from. There is an innocence, that's where David was with David and Goliath, right? There was an innocence there, a sense of, like we would look at him and say, you're a stupid idiot, you know? He's so innocent, he's so naive, right? He's so young and stupid um, because only an innocent young man would step up into the arena with a Goliath. But again, when you have that perception that is in no sense, you have source consciousness. It doesn't matter whether you live or die. Actually, if anything, you win the game by dying because this is the pathetic little intellectual cockroach arena, as I've said before. Again, this is where the monkeys live. And the joke is you know, that we think it's so highly prized and valuable to be in this arena of piss and poop thinking that we're somehow winning a prize. That's, that's the ultimate. Again, truth is paradoxical, right? The truth is circular and is paradoxical. And you have to start embracing the fact that what you thought was truth is just a momentary glimpse of something that once again turns to be turns out to be part of your journey towards an ever spiraling uh, you know more and more truthful connection with something that just blows your mind you know again one of my teachers said and I, I don't know if this even makes sense to you he says you have no idea we were referring to you know what because this guy spent two years 
meditating, fasting, sleeping on a hard concrete floor. You guys want to test? You want to test how strong you are? You know, you're 250, you're ripped, you're full of muscle. You, you know, you just take a fucking cold shower and try not to gasp. Try to transcend your little primitive instinctual emotion to get. I'm telling you, you have no idea. I mean, to me, this is, you know, I could jump in cold water. A cold shower is so goddamn painful for me. It's so hard to stay there in a cold shower for more than like five seconds. But this guy was telling me, yeah, I could take a cold shower and, and just breathe regularly. There was no sense of having to react, right? He had transcended his primal form. Sleeping on a cold concrete floor. How the, I can't even sleep in my bed and get a good night's sleep. How do you sleep on a cold concrete floor? He began to realize everything in this world was a manifestation of fear. And so when he said to me, talking about his experiences and what he perceived when he went to the cusp of life and death, he said, you have no idea. You can't possibly conceive what's there at that edge, right? That chasm, that grand, you know, whatever you want to call it, canyon of consciousness that looks like a darkness. And yet, ironically, when you let go of the cliff and your fingers are tired and you're ready to let go and you fall into that chasm, you find that the darkness is full of light. You know, that's what he was referring to when he said, you have no idea. It's almost like, again, Jodie Foster in that movie Contact. She's the scientist, the skeptic, and she goes through this wormhole and she comes back and she's talking to people and she's like, you know, actually, no. In the end, when she finally arrived at the end of the wormhole, what she say? She goes, "I had no idea. I had no idea." That's so powerful to me. And you should go. You should go on YouTube and look up that scene because you'll get it there. I mean, Carl Sagan, he really got it, and he did a great job of putting it into that film. Actually, <laughs> powerful stuff, man. Really. So back to this doctor and his experience with seven days of heaven. Seeing and hearing were not separate in this world I was now in. I could hear the visual beauty of silvery bodies and of those scintillating beings above. The joyful perception that they, they were singing something and yet I wasn't hearing it. You know, it was beyond his mind. He was just perceiving it. Um, it goes, he gets stranger still. You know, the colors flying on the wings of a butterfly. I do think to some degree, again, you know, I have to be the skeptic and say, because you're not totally dead, you're still within like, I guess that maybe that purgatory state um, where there's some connection to the corporeal body. There's probably going to be, um, what do you, I guess, ideas, projections that are still of this universe, this matrix. And so, you know, he was accompanied by a beautiful woman. Now, of course, that's a very male thing to see a beautiful woman who's beautiful and yet communicated, he said, a love. She communicated a love. She, she radiated a love to him that was not sexual. It transcended any kind of love he had ever experienced. And yet it included all those loves, right? It included sexual love. It included, again, the Greeks, and the, I guess, uh, had talked about the fact that you have to express love in different ways. There's agape, there's, um, uh, I forgot what they were, but there's three or four different categories of love and they talk about that. We have the word love, that's it. I love pizza, I love you, and I love Jesus, all the same thing. It's kind of ridiculous, you know? But he talks about you know, being on the wings of a butterfly and flying with her and her, her radiating this love that, that just made him realize you know, some profound, I guess, realizations. Number one, you have nothing to fear. Again, we are in the fear body. This is the pain body. This is what Eckhart Tolle calls it, right? Gravity pulls us into this body. We are manifesting. We are incarnating to this body. You want to feel fear? Do a stiff like a deadlift or just even reach and feel how tight your muscles are. That tightness that holds you together, that's the physical manifestation of fear. So number one, 
Nothing to fear. Number two, there's nothing you can do wrong. You know, I, I'm not sure if I ever said this on the show, but I meant to say it. You're always right. Wherever you go, you're always right. That deer running out into your headlights that you run over, you know, in his little world, he thought he was right. No deer in his right mind would actually run into your headlights and get killed. You know, we're the same way. We're doing the best we can, you know? And that means, of course, bumping into cars or into people or into jobs, wrong dead ends or whatever. But we're doing it out of nobility. We're trying to be the best we can, really. And it's the fear that makes us do shit that makes other people think of us as being evil. And it makes us think other people are evil. And so we look at them and saying, how the fuck could you do that to me, man? How could you stab me like that? But you have to understand, you know, it's because they're terrified and they're like a wild animal. That's what we all are. We're wild animals running on instincts with this illusion of being in control. But it's bullshit. The ego's not in control. The ego weaves a story from the past that helps to justify where you are right now. What a fucking crock of shit. What a crock of shit. The ego is always in the past. It's taking all the things that happened and it's helping you justify it now so you don't go crazy. But again, the truth is paradoxical. You are crazy. You're insane. Look at Eckhart Tolle's book. Humanity is insanity. I can go on and on, but suffice it to say, this guy had some three messages here that are pretty awesome. Number one, nothing to fear. Number two, there's nothing you can do wrong. And... Um, I thought he had a third one here, actually. The, this, the message flooded me with a vast – oh, yeah, here he goes. Per, on a personal level, he said, these messages flooded me with a vast and crazy sensation of relief, right, of letting go, that you don't have to resist, that you can – this is what I got to remind myself. Why am I resisting everything, right? Again, in the martial arts, that whole idea of like, you know, I'm 800 pounds of muscle so I can resist everything. But something's going to come and knock me over. It's going to be a tank. The Hulk was vulnerable. You know, The whole idea, again, in, in these movies with an Eastern bent is the hero resists nothing. He lets go. And he accomplishes something because he transcends his little drop. Right, No matter if it's an 800-pound drop of water or if it's a 120-pound little Chinese drop of water, it's still a pathetic little drop of water compared to an ocean. You know, And all those arrows – Coming into that hero, whether they're hitting the Hulk or Jet Li, they're still going to kill him, man. That's all. Anyway, I thought it was pretty hilarious. So this is something, again, in this week's Newsweek, it's definitely worth checking out. I think you guys will get a glimpse of what he's talking about. And, you know, again, you can, critique, you can critique this and you can criticize and say it's not true. But I definitely think this guy experienced what I call Satori. Actually, if anything, he experienced more than what I've experienced because he had – time doesn't exist, but I guess maybe whatever it was. I don't know how to explain it. But seven days in a timeless dimension somehow is probably better than like my little fraction of a few seconds. So he seems to have a more descript – um, understanding of what he experienced versus, I guess, what I've tried to share with you guys. Uh, maybe even what you perceived also. Again, if you think back to some moments in your life, you know, I have a lot of listeners here from Australia, and I want to thank you. There's one guy in particular, moderator on the on their Rx Muscle board, AVBGF. I don't even know his name, but dude, I got to thank you for your comments. And I got to say, you know, I spent a month in Australia, man. I had life-changing experiences. I'll never forget, before I even knew all this stuff, I'm a big scuba diver on the Great Barrier Reef, did the cod hole, did a couple of other really good deep dives. And I remember swimming back upside down and you know, I lost perception because, of course, the, we're in the water. You're in a three-dimensional universe, man. You know? And so if you don't see the surface and you don't see anything around you, your brain kind of like loses it. It has no orientation. And in that, my brain got out of the way 
And all of a sudden, this like wave of awareness came over me. And, you know, I was like, holy shit, what the hell was that? And I had no idea what these things were here that I'm talking to you guys about. But that was a moment. That was, you know, a Satori moment, a moment of, of, um, of you know, Christ consciousness, whatever you want to call it. You know, the mind had quieted down. Dude, the D train, you got to hop on the D train. Jeff and I had a show. We actually lost it. The D train is the real deal, man. I'm telling you, I talked about it before. You can Google Joe Rogan and the D train and you know exactly what I'm talking about. My second trip on the D train, I hopped on the subway and I went, way further than I ever could have imagined. This is an unbelievable experience. I know what the D-Chain does. The D-Chain has you in such an awareness, such an awe-inspiring awareness. It puts you in a state of instantaneous awe. And in that sense of aweness, I I guess, is the awareness. I'm not sure if those words are even connected, but when you're in awe, I always said awe is the flaw. Awe is the flaw of the matrix because when you're awed, the mind quiets down and all of a sudden, this shit peels open, man. Totally peeled open. And get this. This is really weird. A freaking wild deer came up to me. I'm, I'm standing there just in awe of the moment. And now in the, I go into the woods to do this because I've always said walking meditation, connected with nature, for me and I think for most of us is a way to get back to the primal brain, the primal mind, the primal spirit. But get this. Where I go, the deer, they're wild there. They're not tame. And a young buck, you know, like a yearling, a young buck walked up to me. And I wasn't like, you know, at first I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I should kind of like not move. But the flies were biting me and shit. So I wasn't like like stoned or disconnected or whatever. I was very grounded in reality still. But because I'm swatting flies. So they're still hurting me. I don't want the flies biting me, man, dude. So I was still very aware. I was still on this earth. I wasn't zoned out. I was very connected. But in spite of me moving around and not being like perfectly still, this wild deer walked up to me, man, within like three feet. And he like began smelling me and stuff. And I was like, WTF, man, what the, it's beyond coincidental. I've never had this happen before. I've done walking meditations. When I hop on a D train and I got into that matrix, that, that, that subway system, man, I don't know what happened, but you know, it's not a coincidence. This deer comes out and walks up to me. And again, Bear Walker, one of my good friends, Native American doctor, physicist has said there's very powerful symbolism in the young buck because it's a young symbol of, of a young man, right? That is coming into his, his full maturity in a sense. So irony of ironies, it happens to be a young buck and not a doe. I mean, come on, man, there's something else going on here. Somebody up there is like, is like throwing me little carrots. So my little donkey, Irish being donkey, of course, my little donkey ass can say, Hey, I get it. I get it. Right. There's definitely something going on in my life that I look back and I'm like, Holy shit, man. There is something writing the script here, and it's actually throwing shit in front of me to say, you know, wake the fuck up, dude. Wake the fuck up. I'm telling you. And I hope to God I've shared something here that gives you guys a little bit of a spark. Like, oh, you know what? I'm putting the puzzle together in my life, right? I'm connecting the dots in my own life, and I'm seeing here there's a pattern. It isn't just random chaos that's happening, and I'm like a hapless victim on a roller coaster ride to nowhere. No, you're on a co- you're on a roller coaster ride. Yes, we live in a deterministic universe. And yet, paradoxically, paradoxically, you can also steer the roller coaster, man. That's the truth. Thanks again for tuning in. This is Quantum Physiques. Come back next week for another roller coaster ride. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll hear Quantum Physiques every Wednesday evening only on Rx Muscle.